Hello and welcome to day 61 of our Bible reading course, which is the final one from the Old Testament. Before delving into the wisdom books and prophets, we'd arrived in our timeline at the destruction of Jerusalem and the exile in Babylon. Just under 70 years later, that exile comes to an end. The Babylonian Empire falls to that of the Medes and Persians, modern-day Iran, which was centred in the city of Susa, where Esther later became queen. At the time of our reading, a Jew named Nehemiah lived there and served as an official to its ruler, King Artaxerxes. Today's passage is Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2. Let's pray. God of glory, I bless you today with a glad and sincere heart. Open your word to me now, once again I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you, day and night, for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favour in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, 
asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple, and for the city wall, and for the residency I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the well-being of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me, except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down, and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate in the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me, and what the king had said to me. They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. The books of Ezra and Nehemiah recount the story of the return from exile. Over 40,000 men and their families set about rebuilding their lives in the towns and villages of Judah, including the wreckage that was Jerusalem and its once glorious temple. They make an immediate start there with the altar and foundation stones, holding a very emotional service of thanksgiving and dedication. But then opposition from regional officials puts a halt to the work, for no less than 16 years. It's only after two more of the minor prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, tell the people to get going again that further progress is made. Four years later, it's all done, and they duly celebrate. A further 70 years on, Nehemiah, who is living about a thousand miles to the east, receives a report about how things are going in Judah. It's not good news, either for the people or for Jerusalem. Nehemiah humbles himself before God in prayer, 
where an idea begins to form in his mind. He will go back and galvanise things, if only the king will allow him. So he makes his courageous request to Artaxerxes, in a touching conversation which shows how much Nehemiah was respected by the king. God grants him favour, and he makes the long journey back. On arrival there, and before telling his compatriots why he's come, he wisely surveys the city walls at night when it won't arouse curiosity. He takes careful note of what he sees, and then calls the people together to explain his plan. The people respond in faith, and the work begins. Chapter 3 goes on to explain in detail how each section is repaired and by whom, a real team effort where every contribution matters. They stand strong in the face of threats and opposition from the latest set of regional officials, and after a Herculean effort, finish the job in 52 days. The walls are dedicated with great ceremony and joy. The story of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem is often used to motivate the members of a church to come together in a new project or vision. But it's important to recognise where Nehemiah's vision is born, in the hearing of a report and then prayer. And then notice how God speaks to him, not a direct word such as, you go back to Jerusalem, but rather stirring within him the desire to do something and making that something clear to him as he prayed. As he says himself in chapter 2 verse 12, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Has God ever spoken to me like this before? What was the occasion and how did it play out? Do I sense he is putting something in my heart at the moment? based on what I've seen in the media over recent weeks, or just observe for myself, far away or near? How can I learn to pay attention to what God is stirring within me? King Arctaxerxes was used by God to allow this great project to happen, although he wasn't a worshipper of Yahweh himself, as far as we know. In this way, he followed other pagan kings like Cyrus and Darius. Some people today use the term person of peace to describe an unbeliever who nevertheless is well disposed to God's people and can open the door to possibilities through their job, their role in the community or just their personality. Do I know any such person of peace? How can I pray for them? and seek their favour for the plans and purposes of God. Lord God, my Heavenly Father, thank you for the example of Nehemiah, who followed your call a thousand miles or so to be where you needed him. Help me to move at your impulse to the people and places you need me to be, even if it's only a thousand centimetres away. In his prayer, Nehemiah used the phrase, your servants who delight in revering your name. May that be a good description of me and of the Christian sisters and brothers in my church. Amen.